All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. That's right, that's it's right. It's going to be us. We can drink and talk shit as much as we want. Nobody can say anything to us. D.L. Hughley, uncut. Hey there, welcome to D.L. Hughley, uncut. Hey there, welcome uncut. to D.L. Leave Hughley me alone. Uncut. Listen, we got a lot going on, so we're just going to jump right into the show. Our guest today spent 11 years in the NFL. He is now the host of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network and NFL Today on CBS. It's Nate Burleson. What's up, baby boy? What's up? What's up? How y'all doing? I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. We, we, you welcome Nathaniel. You know, <laughs> <laughs> See, you know what? It, you, it ain't no one black dude named nowhere named Nate. His name yeah, is Nathaniel. Not. Nathaniel. That's, that's what your mama fact. called you. And when people come up to me, they say, "Is it Nathan?" I'm like, "Nah, that's that's usually a white name." Or hot dog. It's Nathaniel Nathaniel. and then Nate. Nathaniel. I always dug you. Like, uh, I always, like, I I think that it takes a rare person to kind of leave the sport and be, uh, they can illustrate it in a way that the layman gets. Like, you almost make me feel like, and one of the things I really lauded you for was that whole, because it's not like now where we have a sea change. I remember that whole Colin Kaepernick thing was very turbulent. And people yeah. said a lot of things that they can, like even Drew Brees, if you look at what Drew Brees said, if he had said it six weeks ago, no big deal. Right. But now he's walking it back so much. Drew Brees, ain't gonna be, his name going to be Cool Brees by the time it's over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you were always, the way you started was the way that it ended up. Like, and that's, that, that and, and you did it definitely enough to not necessarily, uh, you know, cause, uh, damage to yourself, but you were pretty consistent. Well, I, I appreciate that. Like I said, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm a big fan of the platform. Um, shout out to to everybody that's involved in front of the camera and behind it. Shout out to my guy, Jay. We connected yeah, on yeah. social media quite some time ago. Um, but DL, I, I've been watching you since, since I was a youngin. There's not too many people that have been in the business for, what is it, over three decades, have been as consistent as you, and also transitioned. And, and really, you showed the world that you could be funny and you can also make people think. And then you didn't stop there. You went from the stage to film to news and, and you really just, you transitioned like, like I tried that transition out of football. You have though. Because you know how it is. Right. You get put in a box and you get put in that black box. Right. And once you get put in that black box, um, a lot of people try to box you in. So um, I thank you for being one of the individuals that have, have laid the foundation for young guys like me. Thank you, man. Now, you know, once you're in the black box, they only hear from you when stuff goes bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a right. plane crash or something. That's, that's what What true. do you think of, of this new space that we're in where uh, I thought the NFL is very reactionary? I think they're, 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 sports, they're, they're older. Um, they're more uh, traditional. And by traditional, I mean old white dudes. <laughs> so they don't yeah. react fast. But they, they now seem to be – uh, on a different, uh, on the same wavelength as everybody. They weren't as fast as some people, but they weren't as slow right. as they traditionally were. What do you attribute that to? Well, I attribute that to, to pressure, pressure by <laughs> the athlete. I mean, we, we are the machine. And, and, and listen, let, let's be real. The, the front office, the coaching staffs, the ownership, that reflect um, some of the issues that we're having in the NFL, a, a league that's over, you know, 75, 80% African-American um, yet we don't have the same opportunities to get the head coaching jobs, the coordinator jobs, um, being GMs and owning teams. So um, when, when you when you see all those things and you're part of the machine, there's either one or two ways that you can deal with it. 
you can either sit back, relax, and um, let's just call it what it is. Just be a good old boy, collect your check, take your car, go to the house in the hills and chill out. Um, but then there's other individuals that feel like there's a certain responsibility, obligation that you have, not just to yourself when you collect a check, but um, to your community that looks at you. Because there's, there's, there's kids that, that, that look at me and they see a black man that's on TV that used to play ball. What I'm trying to teach them is that even if you can dribble, even if you can score a touchdown, swing a baseball bat, run fast around a track, that you can still stand up, like 10 toes down, stand up and speak about certain issues. And right now, the NFL, they felt the pressure from these athletes. When the athletes came out and they made that video and they said Black yeah. Lives Matter, yeah. and these are the young superstars, I right. mean, the next generation, right. guys are going to be around for the next 10 years. Right. Like the NFL had to do something because if they didn't, then all of a sudden we'd all be sitting back waiting waiting for the NFL to make a statement. Yeah, because I'm telling you, if <laughs> NFL didn't have black people, they'd be rugby. That's what the, they, they would be saying. <laughs> you, you, uh, right. What do you make of, because the NFL is a funny dichotomy to me because uh, I think they, they're more like you, an NFL owner, an NBA owner would never talk to a star athlete like NFL owners do. They would just never right. do it. They, it was just never, right. if, if they wanted to have a franchise. So they seem more, and I know that there are more people in the NFL than they are in the NBA, but there seems to be a different relationship between um, ownership and management in the NBA than in the NFL. Why do you think that is? You know, I, I, I kind of um, wrestle with that question quite a bit. I do feel like the NBA owners, they're more selective with what they say. Um, and by selective, I, I could also mean secret, secretive. You know, I, I forgot the owner's name. Donald Sterling. Was, uh, Donald Sterling. There it is. So <laughs> he, he, got, he got caught up. Right. He got caught up saying some slick stuff, but he wasn't necessarily saying that out loud to his athletes. Now, the NFL, you'll have certain coaches come out or certain owners. I remember. Houston's uh, coach. Houston's coach. Houston's coach yeah. was one of them, yeah. And, and he said that you can't have the uh, prisoners running the yard. Right. And that's a very slick way um, of, of, of saying, let me tell you how a black man hears it, how right. a player hears it. Right. Um, I, I hear you can't, you can't let the slaves run the field. Right. So, like, I, I know certain people may hear me and they, they get fooled by the, the suits and they're like, yo, Nate's a nice dude. He's non-threatening. But I also was raised by two parents that were raised in the thick of San Francisco in the heart of where the Black Panther Party started. So and, and given that story that I shared after Drew Brees talked about the flag with my grandfather serving this country and then losing his life due to police brutality, I have to speak my mind. And what I'm trying to get people to understand, whether you're black and you're disconnected, whether you're white or every race in between, is when we hear things, we go to a different place. So when that owner said you can't have the prisoners running the yard, listen, benefit of the doubt, maybe he's just saying, I need the players to be the players and we'll deal with everything else. But as a black man, knowing my history and knowing the history of this country, we hear something different. Just like I try to tell people all the time when when I when I see a, another video of a black man or a woman being murdered or somebody being innocently murdered or a completely avoidable situation that happens and that person looks like me or looks like my grandfather or looks like my daughter, then we go to a different place. It's like everybody's watching this scary movie, right? And at the end of it, you know, a white person that's completely disconnected from the struggle and the injustices and the oppression that we deal with, they might see that scary movie and be like, ah, oh, that's that's that, that's fake. I mean, that's that's like Jason or Freddy Cougar right. or Hellraiser. Right. I mean, it, it's it's it seems like it's intense, but it's not real to me. When we walk out of that scary movie, we see those horrific scenes. <laughs> yeah. That's real. Right. Like we walk out of that movie like, yo, that could really happen to yeah. me. I don't want to go to sleep. Black people Freddy believe Cougar almost anything. Yeah. You. 
no matter no movie ever been made, black people didn't believe it could happen. Like, oh, aliens can really. <laughs> we believe it. You know That's what's? You know why in NFL, like virtually every player in the NFL, for your speed, your athleticism, and your strength, when you're black, those things work great on Sunday, but on Monday. They're the very things that a police officer could shoot you for and a jury would acquit. Because the things that we cheer for you for on the field of athleticism, we fear you for. Like, you, all you have to do is show a dude's size and how fast he was. You know, you, you, when, you, when you're going through the combine, that's great. But when you're going through a lineup, it ain't. And I yeah, think that no, you, you, no you're the clearest example of that. The, the only dudes that are that strong and big outside of the football fields in the penitentiary, they really are. <laughs> that's that's true. But see, this is what I did. I didn't understand, and and you know, I I'm not as an avid football watcher as they are. But this is what I didn't understand when Colin took the knee. And we had all seen the videos. We all knew the stories that he was speaking about. When you talked about the pressure coming from the younger players, putting on the owners and and Roger Goodell, I think his yeah. name is, right, for him for them to actually finally come out and make a statement. What I kept trying to figure out is what took so long for players to actually mount that pressure enough to make him change his mind to speak out because we knew the stories were real. I know that everyone got to see George Floyd and it became totally different. So it made people make a 180 to look at it different. But in my head, I'm like, what about the black football players on the field who know that when Colin is taking a knee, they know why he's doing it. What happened to the solidarity there? Let me, let me, let me break this down. And I want to explain this in a way that people can digest it and, and they don't parallel the two things and say I'm comparing them. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what being a pro athlete and pro athlete privilege. Now, when I say privilege, it's not the same as white privilege. That's completely different. But you know how you can talk to your white friend and you can say, well, the a reason why you don't get nervous when a cop pulls you over or you don't feel the same way about another black death um, showing up on the news is because it hasn't impacted you and you're comfortable in the space you're in. That bubble that you've been living in, I'm talking about for generations, you don't know how how far you are away from our reality. Like that's the, that's the white privilege in short, right? We know there's a lot lot deeper. Um, right, but but, but that, that, that is in a nutshell. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, okay. so... What, what I felt like is pro athletes, we also live in that same type of privilege. Like, think about it. If you're the most recognizable dude in the world, right, and you um, you get pulled over. And I've been in this situation where I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, man, hold on. Let me get my hands on 10 and 2. Let me get my wallet up right. here. And I reach for anything. When this cop comes up, I'm getting nervous. My heart's racing. And then the cop comes over, hand on his hip. He looks in. He's like, oh, Nate. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Right. Hey, hey, listen, I like that touchdown. And a matter of fact, I had you on my fantasy team back in 2004. Hey, you a beast, man. Hey, listen, slow down. I, I don't know if the, the cop is going to let you go if he pulls you over because because I know you, man. Hey, good luck this Sunday. I've been there. I've been out and about where a restaurant lets me walk by, walk in. I, I've been at clubs where they wave me in. I've been in crowds of people that were getting broken up, and the cop's like, hey, yo, Nate, hey, is that you? Hey, come on, let's go out the back door. It's about to get real crazy in here. Like, I've been in situations where – I felt so comfortable in being a pro ball player. And I know, D.O., you can attest to this, Jay. I know you guys can understand being uh, in movies where sometimes you're at the height of your recognition, the money is good, and you're living in this space, this really comfortable space. So to answer your question a very long-winded way, I felt like players were leaning on that privilege, and they didn't want to step out of that because it could, it, it could disrupt the money that they're receiving. 
It could disrupt the comfortable lifestyle they were living and people would look at them differently. Mm -hmm. and, and I think like for so many reasons, that's why people don't want to step outside their comfort zone. And I remember being on TV because I was retired at this point and it, I was trying to figure out how I was going to address this because I worked for the machine. I work for the NFL Network, yeah. and the NFL Network, the Shield, that, that, baby, it's the, the Shield. Yeah. Of the NFL. yeah for sure. So, so they're waiting. Whether it's the viewers sitting at home, my bosses, the producers on the set, I mean, my co-hosts, they're sitting there like, I wonder when Nate's gonna say. Now, is he gonna be the passive black player that says, "Well, Cap shouldn't have did it this way," or is he gonna say what's on his heart? So I just told him, look, whether you agree with Cap or not. There's something going on in this country that we all need to pay that's attention to. That's what I, to. I, I absolutely mm. saw that. That then that's on you. What we're trying to get you to do is understand. Now, did Cap do some thing to really ruffle feathers? Yeah, when he was at practice, he wore some socks that had pigs on it. Yeah, with, I think badges yeah. and caps. Yeah. Now here's the thing. That could be offensive. That could be very offensive. But the fact that he was saying there's certain cops out there that need to be called out their name, like black people are called out their name all the time for no mm. reason. If you're getting offended by socks, imagine how hmm. offended black people have been for years and years when we're called niggers and monkeys and and, and spooks and In this all these different things that that are so common to us that either we are enraged when we hear it or we're so callous that we don't even right. have hmm. a feeling. When we even hear the it. national anthem was based on a poem. Uh, and the third stanza talks about killing people. So it's like we don't, there are, suffice it to say, there ain't no good songs from the 1800s black people gonna dig. Ain't, ain't one. Ain't, it's not one. This is gonna be inclusive. Right. One of the things um, I think has changed uh, was the, with this new generation of players, this new iteration of players, is I, I think that one of the things that makes football so unique is that these are men who go to the finest institution of higher learning on the planet. But yeah. they were convinced for a long time that all they had was their physical prowess. And these younger cats, you see cats walking away from the game like, nah, I want to be able to eat. I want to be able to recognize my family. Right. They, whereas they, they felt like that were their only option. And I think one of the things that's coincided with what we see in this movie is cats believing, I got an education too. I can do something else besides. Because the one thing that hasn't ever changed, America is used to black people breaking their bodies in their service, no matter what. No, I don't care if it's slavery, I don't care if it's mm. football. Either way it go, I'm used to you hurting yourself for my pleasure and for my profit. And these young dudes are like, yeah, man, I, I know I, I could sign this. And, and white too, white players too. Like, I know I could sign this contract, but I, nah, I'm finished. I, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And that's and, different. And, and it is. And I know that, that, that you guys can identify this in a media space. Sometimes you're hired and you feel like they hire you, but they also hire your voice. And yeah. I feel like for so long, pro athletes have felt like, okay, I'm making all of this money. I don't know if I can necessarily speak my heart mm. because I don't want to mess up my bottom line. And the new generation of athletes, one, like you said, they're very intelligent and they understand that they're making a, a lump sum of money very fast over a quick amount of time. Um, so they're taking care of that money. But on the flip side, it's not the team's voice anymore. Now, do you have to follow protocol? Sure, do absolutely. Want, do you want to talk the right way and right. represent your squad? Right. Of course. But I feel like now it's like, all right, this isn't just the team's voice. 
This is my voice. This right. isn't just my voice. This is my community's voice. This isn't just my community's voice. This is my race's voice. And they need to hear it, which is why I have the utmost respect for LeBron James. Like, I, I, Me too. I don't care how people can be critical of LeBron and not recognize the fact that at the very least, he's trying. Yes. My man is giving yes. effort. For sure. Bold for enough sure. to speak up against some of the most ignorant people that are from different races and a few that are from our own that mm. have the platform that shouldn't even be talking. I, I, I tell you I, what. I knew it was bad when Michael Jordan said something. I said, "Whoa, hey, hey, this could be bad." I'm, I'm telling you because that ain't his thing. That's not that's not what he does. It's not what a lot of athletes do. Um, one of the things that I also find interesting is not only finding your power but using it in a way. Um, there are two uh, initials. There's an initial that white people hate the most. It ain't the N word. It's the I word: intelligence and integrity. They don't like that. Mm-hmm. It isn't, it isn't, they know what to do with physically strong, intimidating people. They don't know what to do with intelligent people who are, who have integrity. And, and one, what, like, like Colin Kaepernick or not, agree with him or not, he was articulate, he was intelligent, and he had integrity. And they don't necessarily know, in, in the joint, they don't, I ain't, I ain't worried about a big strong dude, I'm worried about the dude who can think. Right. And, 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 and can express himself, and that it, it'll 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 kind of it, because that is infectious, and yeah. they, they they're starting to hire more and more cats like you, for a couple of reasons. One, I think that you have expertise in the game. I think you're intelligent, intelligent, and I think you do have uh, integrity. But I also think that you are are relatable. You're you're very relatable. <laughs> Like I like Booger, but every time he had his hands up, I'm like, nigga, this nigga hands look like it was. Don't. I get throwing up gang signs. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> that's my guy. What's up? He Will? constantly <laughs> threw up West Side the whole time, or Z Side, or whatever it was. <laughs> but but it, the, and there's nothing wrong with being all checking all those boxes. There's nothing wrong with that. The, 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 like, but, and, and, I, and I I take pride in the fact that. I'm relatable. If you want to say that I can cross over, I'm also an individual that was raised in Seattle, Washington, one of the most diverse places. So sure. I didn't grow up um, having a, a racist bone. I wasn't discriminated, uh, discriminate, discriminatory against individuals. Like I, I, I didn't have that in me. So when I'm on TV, I do want the the 16 year old and the 60 year old to to understand what I'm saying. I want the white woman and the young Asian girl to understand what I'm saying. I want all my information to be digestible. But you also have to find your voice. And it took some time. It's not like I retired from the league and I was just talking my talk. It takes time for you to establish yourself and people to understand that you could come across as non-threatening, but you're also willing to stand up for what's right. Because it's not and, a, it's, that, as long as it's organic, no one cares. Like, no one no right. one really cares. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the league will look like this year? Do you think the protests will be as t- tumultuous? Do you think there will be any, you think? I, I, I think that the league is going to be a reflection of what we're seeing in the streets. I've been to a few protests, and I, I've seen every race represented, every religion, every cultural background. And as I'm watching these videos pop out from these teams and players, I'm seeing these white players come out and talk. I'm seeing these white quarterbacks Tom come out Bra- and talk. I thought Tom Brady and Drew, I'm telling you, I've never seen it, yeah. Drew Brees, he, he, he kind of like, you know, walked the statement back and said, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback for the Titans, he came out and, and it was one of them videos where you can tell he was thinking and not just in the moment, like this was on his mind right. because he, he had like a little bit of like angst in his face. And he said something that I thought was powerful. He said, 
in 2017 when Cap took a knee, did I do enough? Did I did I did I overlook it? Maybe. He was like, maybe. And 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 I, I, I apologize for that. But I, I I see it a lot differently now. And for people to just to make that statement, like for for us as as a community, we just want to hear people say, All right, now we understand. Yeah. There's a little bit of empathy. After that, if there's a beating heart in your chest, you'll be compelled to do something, whether it's use your platform on social media, get out there and protest, walk side by side. So I feel like with some of these players and these coaches coming out, these coaches, the Kyle Shanahan, the coach for the 49ers, who is one of the realest coaches in the business. He's just a little older than me in his early 40s, and or he might be the same age as me. And he said, man, if you still think this is about the flag or about patriotism, you're not even paying attention. Yeah. Hmm. He was like, you guys are ridiculous. He said there was one side that we're all on. That is the side for everybody to feel like they have equal rights in this country, and we need to all stand up and fight for that. Now, mind you, Kyle Shanahan has always been a real one. Yeah. He's always been one of those dudes that when you walk in his office, you just get that vibe. Like, you identify, right. he identifies right. with you. And I even, I think he even has a story from back when he was in college being pulled over and the officer ran up on one of his black friends versus talking to him. And he kind of, in that moment, realized what he already knew, that in certain moments, officers are going to look at us differently. So he's always been a proponent for the plight of the black people. So um, I, I see I see. He better if he want to run it back. If he want to run it back. If he want to run it back. What do you yeah. think, um, how important is it? Because to me, it's not about a man getting a job. It is about that man and what he represented being denied a job because of what he represented. So right. um, I don't know that what Kyler, uh, Colin Kaepernick's skill set is now. I don't know if it's diminished. I don't know what their tolerance. But to me, it would say a lot to me if a man who was denied uh, you know, employment because of what he stood for would have access to at least a fair shot at seeing mm-hmm. what the, the league could look like. Because I think when, regardless of what they say, he's mm-hmm. the living embodiment of the thing that they were addressing. And so h- how important is you think that, that something happens with the Kaepernick situation? Yeah, he's like the inception of the NFL movement behind all of this. Um, th- there's layers to this because it, I went to the same school as Colin Kaepernick, Nevada Reno. So I've always been a fan of his. I've always loved his game. And even as a player – um, going into the media space, I always made sure I kept his name like like lively because, you know, they'll, they'll look past you. This game will forget about you right. quickly. It's cold-blooded. Um, but with that said, Cap, he also needs to speak up for himself. There's so many people, you know, people that look like us, like, man, Cap, come on, get the job, bro. You can still right. do it. That's so we, we do want to hear from him more often. Now, he did also take a settlement from the league. So I don't know, like, the... The, the writing or the language within that that settlement that allows him to to try out, play for teams or whatever it is. I know there was a tryout last year and there was a little bit of a debacle behind all of that. Uh, but will, will Cap make an impact on the NFL roster right now? 100%. I, I said on TV, he's better than every backup in the league for sure, hands down. And I will take a handful of quarterbacks and I'll say that Colin Kaepernick, a handful of starting quarterbacks that Colin Kaepernick is better than. There's this narrative that Colin Kaepernick was trashed when he played lastly, and he was like this bum, and that's the reason why he took a knee. And that's the strangest way in the world to get a knee. I can't believe it. It's ridiculous. But in that season, he had 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, almost 500 yards rushing, and he only played 12 games. So there's, there's teams right now that are struggling to get their quarterback 
to just not turn over the ball. (laughs) Don't talk about my New York Jets. Stop it. I don't want to hear it. And on top of that, like when we look at like the the quick Kyler Murray and how fast he is in Arizona, how Russell Wilson is athletic in the pocket, what Lamar Jackson is doing with those handoffs and faking those. Like Colin Kaepernick was doing that. That that the, those two years when he went to a Super Bowl right. and then right. next year he, he went to an NFC Championship game the and Seattle, lost right. to the Seahawks. Right. Yeah. The Seahawks who had a, a historically good defense. Right. Like people forget, there's there's quarterbacks right now that are hundred million dollar quarterbacks that will never make it to a Super Bowl. Period. Colin Kaepernick made it to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game back to back seasons early in his career, and the fact that he set out and he's been healthy and hasn't taken a shot in four seasons. And on top of that, here's another thing, and this is an element people don't talk about, um, but it's the it's the life element. Forget about him lifting weights and, and going out there and training and running a 40 and jumping the vertical. I'm talking about how comfortable you feel mm. doing your job after real life hits you. Like how, how mm. comfortable you are in your own body. Because a lot of us, when we're starting off our career, we're caught up trying to be everything we saw on TV, the legends we looked up to, while trying to redefine who we are as young men. But like once life hits you, like once I had my ACL and I, I thought to myself, damn, I lost my NFL season. Now I got to think about every dumb decision I made financially. I got to think about every person I did wrong. Is this karma? Will I be able to run, jump as fast? Am I going to be as quick and agile? Like, am I ever going to play again? I'm only four or five years in. This is ridiculous. Once I got out of my mind and I had a real-life conversation, I got out of the illusion of being a rock star football player, I came back on the field. The rest of my career was cake. I mean, even the, the hardest – situations I had to deal with on the field. I got injured again. I had surgeries again. I had all that. But it was so much easier. Learning the playbook was easier. Taking a hit was easier. Co- being coachable was easier because I had already been through a real-life situation. You've been through that man that shit. Re- mm-hmm. it, was, it, was real, <laughs> yep, it was real life exactly. man shit. Hey, man. And I feel like Cap, Cap has been through that. So so what is what is a, a blitz coming off the edge going to do to Cap? What is a, a, a commentator booing him about him taking a knee going to do to him? Like, like, what is what is a, a tough loss going to do when he has to walk into the locker room and address the team when he's been addressing millions for the last four years? I just feel like Cop, Cop, Colin Kaepernick has been through so much. At this point, football might be a lot easier for him than it's ever has been. That's, hey, man, mm-hmm. I couldn't have said chance. it better, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't try, man. Thank you, Nate. We're pre- Dope-ass lid, too, baby boy. For a hey, youngster, man, you all right. Like- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll be watching DL. I saw you on Vlad. You, every time Vlad asks you a question, you go, sure. Ha, 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 ha